One of the distinguishing characteristics of Matthew's gospel is that he collects more of the parables that Jesus presents to his disciples than any of the other gospel writers. And today's gospel, Matthew does not disappoint. In a relatively short text, he gives us three fascinating parables. Now the scenario with each of these parables is not that familiar to us, but they would have been very familiar to the people to whom Jesus was speaking and certainly to the community for whom Matthew was writing. They're all connected with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. I tend to use perhaps the phrase, the reign of God is like, since it has a kind of broader notion than kingdom, which, which seems a bit territorial. And Jesus was nothing, if not uh, without being territorial, for sure. The first two parables, which are sort of more connected maybe than, than the third one, but the first two are of particular interest to me. The treasure buried in a field seems like an unlikely situation. If we have great treasure worth keeping or keeping secure, we're more apt to put it in a bank or a safe deposit box or maybe under our mattress. But in Jesus' time, burying a treasure in the garden or in a field was perfectly logical. They had um, no security systems and very likely no locks on their doors, and so a family treasure could very easily have been buried in the back garden or in the field. And just as easily, it seems often forgotten. The laborer in the parable, we might assume, is perhaps poor, since he doesn't even own the land that he was working. And he could hardly believe his good fortune when he finds the treasure, which we are not told what it looks like. The merchant, however, is actually searching for a great find, the proverbial pearl of great price, and that's indeed what he finds. It appears he is perhaps much better off. He likely believed that one day he would find this treasure because he was actively searching for it. In today's situation, he probably would be a regular participant on Antiques Roadshow. So where is, where is the connection? What do we learn from these two parables and, and even from the third one? One character is poor. The other one appears to be wealthy enough to deal in, in fine pearls. The kingdom of God, we might say from these two parables, is accessible to everyone. And maybe Matthew's arrangement is trying to tell us that. Certainly a teaching that Jesus returned to over and over again, that no one is excluded from the reign of God. Like 
the third parable where the fishermen go out and throw the net into the sea and gather all kinds of fish. So does the reign of God embrace, invite, and gather all kinds of people. Another insight might be, are these first two parables arranged side by side by Matthew to tell us that, first of all, the reign of God is indeed a treasure. It is a wonderful, marvelous thing that God has in store for us. And the parable says, the reign of God is like a treasure. But in the second parable, Jesus says, the reign of God is like a merchant searching. And so that involves then us. If there is a treasure, there needs to be searchers, seekers of this good fortune. So the reign of God is gift. It is an incredible grace. But we might ask, is it hidden from us? Do we have to keep searching? Does God play games with our curiosity? Or is it more tangible, more accessible? Is it more there than someplace else? Another approach would say that the value of the reign of God requires great sacrifice. The laborer sold everything he had and bought the field that he didn't own. And the merchant sold all kinds of things so that he could have the one pearl. So are we to give up everything in this great sacrifice to have God's reign? But the reign of God is not for sale. We don't get any indication of that any place in the Gospels. Instead, life offers us wonderful and many opportunities to discover the unfolding of God's providence. The very word providence itself says that it is gift. It is available to us. There is a truth, I think, in all of these interpretations and one could take any one of them and develop a great reflection. But is there yet another insight that connects these two stories and leads us into divine intention, leads us into what God might be saying through Jesus? The two treasure finders, seekers and finders, we are told, react with joy. And their joy shapes the whole story. What is the point of finding a great treasure, buried or with another merchant, if the person would say, oh, well, you know, another day, what's so great about that? I was lucky. The joy of the treasure finders exceeds all expectation and the measure of their life from now on is forever changed. I think that's the secret, as it were, of these parables. To be so moved 
by God's reign, by God's purpose for us. One that's not based on a sense of labor done or of petition granted, not based on uh, duty, thou shalt, thou shalt not, you must, you must not. To be so moved by God's reign that it's rooted in the overwhelming desire to desire what God desires for us. It's rooted in the overwhelming desire to desire what God desires for us and for the world. It is to be swept off one's feet, as it were, out of one's ordinary nest, to be utterly convinced that there is no greater joy to be had than to uncover the reign of God. It is to believe that the reign of God's love and mercy is not hidden somewhere in history, in the past or in the future, but now, even now, can be grasped. The brilliance and the joy of the reign of God are ultimately the impetus that moves us that again and again causes the grace of God to overtake our hearts and to win out in the world. To rejoice in the God who rejoices in us.